Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today, we are joined by Wes Tankersley. He is a podcaster. He is a motivational speaker, former college football player turned life coach. So we're going to talk about his story and we're going to talk about what success meant for him and what it means for him today. Wes, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Curveball, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the chance to kind of tell my story. Absolutely. Why don't you start off by giving everybody a little background about yourself, maybe tell them where, where you're from, anything that you want the audience to know before we kick it off? Yeah. So, um, you know, currently I am a blind salesman in Star, Idaho. So I sell window coverings to people, but uh, I quit teaching probably about a year and a half ago as a, you know, it was kind of my second, my second uh, career. I was a PE teacher at a high school and just saw a bunch of things that just didn't seem right to me. But, you know, I had, I have this long story about where it all started and kind of just turned into this actually finding my way and, and realizing that I'm, I'm reaching for the same goals that I was in teaching and coaching and motivating people and trying to make people realize what their success is. Well, let's talk about you're, you're also a former college football player. So let's talk about that, how you got your scholarship. And you you said something, you said that you were better than you thought you were. And that's why your career ended. Explain that and kind of just explain your college football career and why that didn't go the way you hoped it would go. So, you know, it was really short lived for, for, to be honest with you, you know, I, um, I graduated from high school. I was a three sport athlete in high school. I played football, um, baseball and basketball a little bit. Well, basketball my freshman year and then baseball and football all the way through. Um, I lettered in football three years and lettered in baseball one, but I was really good at football for my small town. I grew up in Ontario, Oregon, which is about 30 miles where I live from now. And I was actually the only athlete in my high school to get a scholarship for sports that year. And it was to Southern Oregon University small little NAIA school. And I was going to go there and go to college and, and go play football. Well, I got there and I was a little nervous. I didn't like the town. It was really small. I thought I was a Pac-10 player. And for those of you who don't know, NAIA is really small compared to Pac-10. And I essentially gave up that scholarship because I thought I was better than that. Um, my parents wouldn't allow me to go to a junior college to get a little bit better to get a Pac-10 scholarship. So I showed up there and I just, I couldn't do it. And then a couple of years later, I walked on at University of Idaho, which is a, a larger school and um, found out that I was a little guy. You know, I was this offensive lineman. I'm, I'm pretty big, I'm 6'3" weighed about 260, 270, but they had these guys who were 6'6", 350 pounds playing offensive tackle, which was my position. And I just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't keep up with those guys. They were bigger than me. They were stronger than me. They were faster than me. And I realized that it just wouldn't work out. It just wasn't going to be the path that would work for me. Well, 
if I'm correct, the Pac-10 is the is currently the Pac-12 now, right? Yeah, it is actually. It was the Pac-10 when, <laughs> so I just turned 40. So, you know, what is, I think it turned into the Pac-12 probably about five, 10 years ago. So it's it has been the Pac-12 for a while. But yeah, it was the Pac-10 when I was in high school. Did you think about trying another position or did you just say, this is what I want to do, play offense line? If I can't do that, then I'm not doing it. Yeah, you know, that was kind of the barrier. That was that was kind of the thing. It was like, this was this position that I was so used to playing. You know, I'd played it every year of high school. I was a center in middle school. Um, and I just, I wasn't fast enough to be a tight end. I was big enough to do the blocking portion. I didn't have really good hands, which that would probably have been a position that would have worked for me if I was a little bit better than what I was. But in in hindsight, there was a whole lot of things that when you're a young kid, you don't think about. And I wish I had the same mindset that I had now because I could have made anything work if I would have just pushed myself. But I didn't have that kind of, I didn't have that kind of desire. It wasn't the same thing as I have now where I know that I can do anything and it just takes hard work. So what did you do? What, what path did you go on when you left football? So I was going to college and I quit, you know, I was, I was going to college part-time and I ended up quitting or going part-time to college and then ended up quitting college. And I started working at a uh, local tire dealership here called Les Schwab, which is pretty big um, tire dealer here in the Northwest. I actually just got bought by a big company. It was very, it was independently owned for a long time. And I worked there for 11 years. And then I got injured at, at the, on the job. And when I got injured, I decided that I had, the doctor told me he had two choices because my knee was, messed up from bending up and down squatting and doing a bunch of, um, you know, heavy lifting and things like that and running on concrete for, you know, 11 years. And he said, you have two choices. You can either quit this job and take a more stationary job where you sit down or you can have your knee replaced. And, you know, this was eight years ago. So a 32 year old getting his knee replaced was kind of one of those things where you do it, you're going to have two or three of those by the time you, you know, you die which it's not, once you get a revision on a knee injury, it's not very fun. So I went back to college. And the first time I went to college, I, I had a 1.65 GPA for the, the year and a half that I went. So I had to dig out of this little hole that I was in. I had to start at the very lowest math class. Um, I had to, there was a bunch of stuff. I had to take classes over again that I had taken before because I didn't have credit for them. But essentially, I ended up graduating in four years with my bachelor's degree and a 3.65 GPA. So it was quite a bit of a turnaround. Then after that, I started teaching a little bit. And while I was teaching, I got my master's degree. So I taught for four years and I just finished my master's degree and then realized that it just wasn't going to work. It wasn't teaching and coaching was really what I wanted to do, but there was so many things that didn't fit and I didn't like, and it wasn't the same as when, when I was in school. Speaking of that, when you started teaching, you talked about how parents allow kids to manipulate the system and, and they don't have any accountability. What did you explain what you meant by that? Well, it was interesting because, you know, the first two years that I taught, I taught in this really small town and, and I taught in a middle school and Kids were able to, they didn't, 
when I started working there, I was taking over a position for a person who was very lax. I was a PE teacher and he's very lax in what he did. He didn't have any structure to what the kids were doing. He was allowing them to do whatever they do. Typical, like what you would think of a PE teacher 20 years ago, the kids would walk in and he'd say, what do you want to do today? And they'd say, let's play basketball. So they'd just play basketball. Well, when I came in there, it was like, this is physical education. You're going to warm up. You're going to stretch. You're going to exercise. We'll play a game. I'm going to teach you the skills and things like that. Well, in that school, I started out with 40 kids in the class and they didn't like the fact that they weren't going to do things. So they would just go home and tell their parents, Hey, this class is no fun. I'm going to get out of it. And the counselors at the time would just let them go and switch from class to class. So when I was in school, things like that didn't happen. You were in the class and you either did what the teacher said and followed the directions or you, I mean, I would go home and my parents would say, well, what did you do, you know, to get in trouble? And they would support the teacher hundred percent. And then I learned in the high school situation as well. It was the same thing. When I went to high school, I always wanted to be a high school PE teacher because I coached high school baseball. And, um, I found I was teaching, I had to teach out of class the first year that I was at the high school. So I taught senior project and the kids were just doing things just to check the box. They weren't putting anything into it. And we had this really great senior project class where they had to learn how to write a resume and do presentations and do all these things that are real world, real world skills that they would use later on in life. And their parents would just like, why are you doing this? Why do you have to do this? Why do they, you know, they were always making excuses for them. A kid would turn something in and do very poor on it. You'd give them an F and then they would, the parent would call and chew the teacher out. So I would get chewed out because their kid didn't do the work, you know, and, and that was just kind of the way that it was. And that's the way that it's, it's been now where it used to be the parents, you know, they would stand behind the teacher. And now it's more of if you're not doing your job and the parents mad at you, they can essentially get you to change the grade by going to the administration or whatever, because they don't back you up because it's all about test scores and grades and, and things like that. When it used to be about do the work. And if you didn't do the work, then you didn't get the grade. Now, do you feel like that is um, all around every school or just where you were? Or how do you feel about that? Because yeah, that does go on. So what do you feel? Is that widespread or just maybe in the town you went in? You know, I, I did it at two schools and I saw it, you know, when I student taught, I student taught at two schools as well. And, you know, at the elementary level, it wasn't such of a big deal, but in, in any high school that I was in or any secondary school that I was in, it, it was pretty widespread. Now I can only speak for Idaho because that's where I live, but you see kind of what's going on around the country. And I feel like, you know, there's always been this, you know, since I was probably, I don't know. In my in my mid twenties, there's this trophy mentality that no one can fail. No one can. Everyone has to pass. Everyone has to. You know, it started with no child left behind. It's like we can't fail a kid because they didn't do the work. We need to just keep pushing them through the system. And kids don't know how to fail because their parents aren't allowing them to fail. Which I think that I think that's pretty widespread. I think that's a you know in our country that's a big issue. I believe. Yep, it's called social promotion. Yep. So once you left school and, and got tired of it, is that why you got out because you got tired of it? And if so, what did you transition into? Yeah, so what happened was I 
I did. I quit. I, I have a, I had a friend that I was doing sales on the time because as a teacher, you don't really get paid very much. I, like I said, I finished my master's degree and I have all these student loans and in, in my mind, looking at what I was going to get paid, I only got a $5,000 raise for getting my master's degree, you know, a $5,000 a year raise, which in Idaho teachers start out at $38,000 a year, which is, it's poverty level, really. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't, can't live on that amount of money. Luckily, I had my, you know, my wife is a nurse and she supported us for a while with that, but I was trying to make ends meet by working extra jobs. You know, you'd coach, coaching baseball for a season, you get paid $2,000, which doesn't go a long way for the amount of time that you spend doing it. And so I decided that I was going to try and find another job. And I essentially went back into sales where it was kind of scary at first. And that's kind of where this whole thing happened, where this epiphany came along was I ended up having to go, I had to, I'm in a hundred percent commission job where it all lies on me. Like the money that I make depends on if I go and sell the customer, the product, if I do a good job at what I do. And if I don't do that, then I don't make any money. And it was really scary at first because you get this paycheck that comes in every two weeks or once a month. And now all of a sudden you you don't know what you're going to make. And so I started that and I've been doing that for about a year and a half. And it kind of, it messed with my mind a little bit at first because I didn't think I was good enough at what I was doing and I didn't know how I was going to survive. So I started to do things like getting on social media and, and promoting myself. You know, I did some ads on Facebook to try and get myself some more business for the blind company because essentially I'm working for myself. Although I work for the company, I'm trying to create income for myself. And so I ended up doing that and then realized that it wasn't just going to work with just putting a Facebook ad on, on the internet. I needed to go out and I needed to meet people and meet realtors and make relationships with them and show them who I was. So I decided, Hey, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to interview these people who are local business people to try and get myself more um, business. So I would go to a realtor and say, Hey, and like the first five podcasts that I did were p- business people, people that I would work with. And I was just trying to spread their name, earn their trust, get them to, you know, call me when they needed some window coverings. And so, um, and then I, then I started thinking about it. I felt so negative about the whole situation. I was always this glass is half empty kind of guy. And it was crazy because I, I was like, what am I gaining from being like, nothing good is happening, but when it does, I'm, you know, it makes me happy to looking at it the other way. Like, what are the good things that I have? I have a, you know, I have a roof over my house. I have a good job. I have people who love me and care about me and I can look at it that way and flip that mentality. And the part of teaching that I didn't like was these kids and these parents doing that stuff. But then I started thinking about it and I started realizing that I could still teach and I could still coach and I could still help people be successful by showing them what success looked like. And success is different for everyone. It's different for you. It's different for me. It's different for, for my wife. You know, it's, it's a choice that you make, but a lot of people look at that as I make lots of money. I drive around a Corvette, you know, 
I live in a mansion. Like that's what success looks like. Well, it's not. I mean, you can be working at McDonald's and make $7 an hour and be very happy doing that because you're serving people and that's a success. So the podcast turned into shaping success because I want people to be successful and I want them to see that there's many ways to do that. So I interview people from every walk, you know, every walk of life. I have had pastors on, I have had realtors on, I have had, um, you know, my, one of my biggest guests who has had the most downloads is, is um, the creator of no fear. So uh, he's a brander. He's built four or five multiple brands and it's just leading to more and more awesome things like that, where, I'm going to show more and more people, you know, I've had a pastor on, I've had artists on, I've had speakers on. So that's kind of how it, how it turned into what it is now. That's what I was going to ask you about. How did your podcast evolve from when it first started? And I guess you just answered that question. So you, you've interviewed a lot of these people. How long has your podcast been going? So it's been going for about a year now. So January 31st was the first time that I uploaded an episode. I actually recorded the first episode in January, but I had this issue with trying to figure out how to get it on the platform, which was ridiculous because it was more of a mind thing. Like we need to do this, we need to do that. And and I was listening to uh, Gary V, who, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's this he's a, a marketer guy who's really made a big living on social media marketing. And he's, he was talking and he just said, you know, just put it out there. It doesn't matter what it sounds like at first. It doesn't matter what you do, just put it out there because you can sit there and you can him and haw over it your whole, your whole life and never do it because you're afraid that you're not going to do it right. Or you could just do it. And so I figured out how to, you know, I did a lot of research. I was talking to a lot of people and it's really simple to do, but you, you have these blocks where you think that you can't do it. And so I figured it out and I uploaded the first one, January 31st. And then the next one a week later, and then, um, I got through, I got to like five episodes. So I was sitting in my garage recording this thing with my iPad, with my phone on another platform, trying to do Instagram live and Facebook live and, and then recording it and then uploading it to the podcast. And I was approached by the person who I originally was running ads with and they have a live stream network. And they came to me and said, we want to do a live show. We want to get you on here. We can set up an interview. So it looks just like a TV interview on Fox news or on a news show or news channel or whatever. And you can interview your guest from wherever they're at. And we're going to not charge you to do it. And we're going to, we're going to push it out for you. We're going to put it on our network and all this stuff. And, and it just turned into what it is now. And um, I haven't really looked back. I mean, I've been growing it. I think one of the biggest things that people lack is consistency. They're afraid to continue to push themselves out there. They'll quit after about six or seven shows, or they just won't have the content for people to listen and they'll get discouraged. And uh, it's just one of those things where connection has made things happen for me more and more. I mentioned earlier that I interviewed Mark Simo, who, you know, he's a, he's a really great guy. He created all these brands and he has a vodka brand now that he is 
that he is his current brand that he's working on. And I interviewed him again last week for the second time. And we had a different conversation. The first one was about the vodka company. And then the second one was about just his general purpose and branding and how he creates things and showing people that there's risk involved in everything you do and you can't be scared to do it. And, uh, you know, there's a point where someone, you know, I call him, you know, his name is Mark Simo, but now he's Mark. He's become my friend. And he called me on Monday and he works in, uh, in the industry with a lot of people that he's going to get me access to so that I can interview even more people who are inspiring and inspirational. So it's one of those things you just got to continue to push hard and keep working at it. If you know that it's what you want. Sounds like both of our podcasts have the same similar theme to motivate and inspire people. Yeah. You talked about success and you said success was different for everybody. What is success to you? When, when somebody says the word success, what does that mean to Wes? Well, so it was an interesting thing. You know, this whole, the name of the show, it came to me and I remember this conversation vividly when I was about 16 year old, 16 years old with another kid. And I still know the kid and I don't even think he knows he said it to me, but he told me, he goes, I'm going to be twice as successful as you when I grow up. And it was funny. I, I had this conversation on an IG live and I started thinking about what it meant to me. And for me, success is one of those things where as long as I'm setting a goal and reaching it and taking little steps every day to be better every single day, that's what it's about. And in that, there's a whole bunch of other little things. And the main thing to me is that other people are successful around me. Other people can be successful by me helping them or by helping me. You know, I think it's inspiring others to be better, no matter what that may be. So you talk about that you have a speaking engagement coming up in 2021. Talk about how you got to speaking engagement or at least how you got into speaking and tell people what the topic is going to be, where it's going to be, all the information that people can check it out if they would like to. Yeah, it's in February and I'll keep you posted on what's when it's going to be because um, they haven't quite got it all ironed out, but they're going to have my, my network that I work with does uh, conferences and they're going to have a couple different people who are on their network speak at this conference. And with COVID and everything, it's not going to be probably in person, but they have that great system where they're able to get a person speaking. So I can actually go into their studio, which they currently, you know, they just got a couple months ago and, and do this conference and have the speaking engagement. And the topic is going to be about success and, and how it is different and how it's really all between it's in, it's all in your mind and you just need to push yourself and work harder and things will happen by surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and the success. It's, it's kind of funny because when you connect, when you start down that path and you start talking to people like yourself and like, you know, Mark Simo or, you know, many of the guests that I've had that they have this path and they know that they have to work hard and they have to hone in on it. You start getting grouped with them. It's, it's kind of one of those things that just happens. Like you run into these people and I don't know if it's karma. I don't know if it's faith. I don't know what you want to call it, but for me, things just fall into place. 
And it's all about connection and being a good person and giving someone something of value and, and helping them to move themselves along. And you just surround yourself with those types of people and success is just going to follow, you know, and that's kind of what it's going to be about, about connection and, and, and helping other people to be successful. Because I feel like a lot of people will be successful or something and, and, and then they'll just hold it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to share this with anyone. This is mine. And that's not the way to do it. You need to share what you know. You need to share your knowledge. I mean, I always, even back when I was working at the tire store, I was, you know, an assistant manager at one point and every single thing that I taught another employee how to do made my job easier and made them feel like they had part of the situation. They had a part, they had a part in the process. And so that's really what it's going to be about. Absolutely. Networking is definitely important, no matter what industry you're in. Other than your speaking engagement, do you have any other projects that you're working on? Any books or any other things that you're working on with your network? Yeah, you know, I I have I have an idea about a book that I'm going to write. Um, I haven't. It's one of those things where I need to get. I've actually interviewed a couple people who have authored books, but that's something that I really want to get into. Is I want to write a book. Um, I have that. I'm also trying to, you know, this is kind of the beginning of the process. I've been only doing this for a year and a half now, but I'm going to also start doing a coaching business where I can do one-on-one calls with people and coach them, hopefully connect them with people who can help them to be better. Um, I'm working on right now with the network. We're trying that we talked about creating a podcasting network and I'm working on building a proposal for that where we offer a service such as you get a show, you get two posts a week on your social media um, that will post it to your podcast. We can help you create an intro and outro um, just those kind of things offering it. Cause there's a lot of people right now who are doing podcasting and I feel like with COVID it's kind of opened up this new, new Avenue to work through because a lot of people will no longer be working in a building and they can do things from their computer and they're proving that every single day. And I don't think that after, after the pandemic is over, I feel like it's not going to, some people will go back to work because that's what they have to do. But most businesses are going to say, Hey, you need to be, you can stay at home and do work and we don't have any overhead and we can just pay you instead of paying to keep the lights on in a building. You can keep the lights on in your building yourself. Absolutely. You definitely got a great story. So we'll be looking forward to that book coming out. Throw out any contact information that you have, you know, let people know how they can listen to your podcast, how they can keep up with the great work that you're doing. Yeah. So the best place to find me, you know, really, if you go to my Instagram account, it's at Wes.Tankersley. And I'll spell my last name for you because it's it's a long one, but it's T-A-N-K-E-R-S-L-E-Y. So go there in my bio, there's a pod spout link and it has all my social media contact. It's kind of like a link tree, but it's a little bit different and they actually sponsor my show. So they've helped me set up this, this great link. It's a, it's a little landing page, but it has all this information on there. So that's the best place at west.tankersley on Instagram. The podcast is called shaping success. And, uh, you know, I would love feedback and, and, you know, hopefully your audience can find some, some helpful information of in what I'm doing as well. Absolutely. Is there any other topics that we haven't covered that you would like to talk about before we go? 
I don't think so. You know, I think one of the biggest things I would say is that, you know, don't be afraid to, to reach for the stars. Don't be afraid. If you have a goal and you have a dream of something that you want to do, you need to be willing to put in the work and know that it's possible no matter what it's never out of reach. And I had that issue with football in my mind. It was, it was in my mind. And if I had the mindset that I had now, you know, I could have probably had a pretty successful football career, but I wouldn't change what I did. You know, it's led me to this path of where I am now. And, and I really feel like my success is happening on a daily basis and I can just keep adding to that. So continue to add to that, keep working hard. Like I say in the intro of my podcast, if you believe you can achieve, Wes, thank you so much for joining me today. Akerball, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.